0: Tonight, I will speak a little bit more about the mind that we have been looking for since a few days. I am using mind in a general sense, not making a distinction between consciousness or the term. Hopefully, by speaking about it, one may understand what is meant by mind mind is a quality of knowing pure quality of knowing that allow us to know anything not like a wooden statue or a stone statue we During all the day we had experiences, perceptions, we know sight, color, shape, sound, taste, smell, tactile sensations, thoughts, media. So this quality of knowing all those different. Experiences or objects That is what is called the mind Knowing uh, color, shape, taste, type of sensations an image or concept Now not only do we perceive or think Or have images but those are also experienced in different ways we may experience something with joy or with sadness we may connect with something or somebody with love compassion or with hatred with anger all that is also the mind the coloration that the mind is taking while relating to another person uh, an object or whatever it's relating to. So all those qualities of seeing, hearing, thinking, that is a mask. This pure quality of knowing. Now sometimes one may express, I know, I see, I smell, I taste, But the uh, mind has the quality of knowing, only the eye there is stealing the quality of the mind, so to speak. The eye is just uh, sticking to the mind and not pretending to have the quality of the mind. Pretending to see, to hear, to taste, to think, which is fine, it can do that. We understand what it meant but when we believe that it is subject, and I, who is seeing, thinking, knowing, then we bring some element of confusion. We start to put the quality of knowing where it is not. So the mind knows and that only its quality, it has no other characteristics. It has no form, no shape, no color, no taste, no boundaries, no size. If he had, if the mind had color or shape, then everything that we would see would have some kind of coloration. If the mind had some characteristic, then whatever the mind would know, those characteristics would be imposed on what is known. So for the quality of the mind, for its faculty of knowing, it needs to be empty of any characteristic besides knowing. Imagine if you were to go to see a movie, not in a movie theater, but in a... where they will usually play, some play. So you have all these backdrops, very complex, and now you start to uh, project this movie, and it, you have plants, and you have, I don't know, some uh, walls, and all the movies completely mixed up because. Is not received on a neutral ground. Is received on something which has already all its form, shape, and color. So if the mind has so many characteristics of its own, then it would impose those characteristics in whatever already known. The mind has no characteristic beside the quality of knowing. The mind knows like the fire burns, or like the wind is blowing. <coughs> So now it would not make sense to look for a blower of the wind trying to go somewhere at the origin of the wind if that does exist and try to find the blower of the wind or the burner of the fire well where is the burner of the fire there will be a burner and there will be the fire and the burner will be burning so the mind knows in the same sense that fire burns as the wind blows it is its own nature in a sense the only thing it does it knows and it cannot not know because that is nature when we say oh I don't know this or that we are referring to a specific object but it doesn't mean that at such a time the quality of the mind is not knowing it will be like being unconscious The mind may know, for example, may know that it doesn't know something, it has a concept in mind, clear concept, that I don't know the name of the town nearby. It is knowing, I know clearly, the mind there perceives clearly this aspect of ignorance of the name of something. So the quality of mind is knowing, and that faculty, its essence, is just knowing pure knowing, devoid of any characteristics of its own this knowing quality sometimes is sometimes in the Tibetan tradition the luminous quality, when we speak about the luminous aspect of the mind it's what is the knowing aspect of the mind, the knowing faculty of the mind now how does the mind know how does this knowing take place the mind knows by taking the appearance of what it is knowing like the mirror is taking the appearance of what it is reflecting the mind is taking the appearance of what it is knowing so the mind may take many kind of appearance it doesn't mean that itself its quality, its essence is transforming doesn't mean that the mind become yellow or blue if it does know a blue color just reflecting or appearing manifesting this blueness that's the way for the mind to know in a sense by becoming if you wish what it is knowing that the mind is knowing, not becoming in a sense only appearing, taking the appearance, not that the mind becomes something else than, it, than what it is, faculty of knowing. So when one tries in one's own meditation to get rid of some experiences or thoughts, at this time it means that We are trying to get rid of the mind. The appearance are not outside elsewhere. They are just the mind appearing in this aspect. So if we could take that and push it away, in a sense, the way that we are trying sometimes to manipulate our meditation, is like if we were trying to cut apart the mind or put away the mind if I were to take an example, imagine that in the forest there is a pond, beautiful clear water, but it's surrounded by trees, and now it's, uh, let's imagine it's falls, so you have all those beautiful colors, trees and leaves, and if we were to go to fetch water, and we say, oh I can't take the water, it's full of leaves. No leaves in the water, the water is clear and pure, but because of the reflection then we see the leaves and say, well, we should take some water to make tea, but I can't because it's full of leaves. Now one may try to get rid of the leaves, to so push them away, push them away. Of course, one can't get rid of the leaves, only through getting rid of the water. If now I would uh, take all the water away and maybe there would be just a muddy ground and there would be no Reflection of leaves anymore, so it means that we have pushed the water away or the mind away. So when we try, when we are dealing or concerned so much by our experiences, and we see some experiences as obstacle to our meditation, it's like if we were believing that the reflection of those leaves are polluting the water. Now in our experiences <coughs> there is not only this <coughs> but many aspects can be hearing, thoughts, images, physical sensations, all those richness of experiences but time <coughs> we try to get rid of them, to push them and we believe that they are obstacle to the meditation is like if we were trying to get rid of the reflection of the reason. None of those experiences, images, thoughts, emotions, pain, sensations, are transforming the nature of the mind, are transforming the quality of the mind. That is reflection on it. They don't transform, they don't uh, harm the mind all the reflection, all the different experiences which are known, they don't add anything to the mind, neither do they take anything away. Maybe if the mind had qualities, maybe if the mind had a color, blue, now we perceive yellow, the mind become green, oh that has, a, in, that has transformed the nature of the mind. But that's not the case. mind has no equality beside knowing, therefore nothing is affecting it. The mind is pure in its essence. I speak a bit more about what it means. <coughs> and in the Tibetan tradition it is seen in this way. In the Sorat tradition in Thailand it is also seen in this way. Some other traditions don't speak about the mind in this way, they see it slightly differently which has some impact on the way that one would practice the meditation but in Tibetan tradition for tradition of Thailand the notion is that the mind is pure by essence therefore if we can just reckon that this pure essence of the mind will then be revealed and this pure essence will also be freedom I'll speak about that later Now when we, um, to come back to the example of those leaves reflected on the pond, when we try to push them away or we believe that they are hindrance, that I cannot take the water because they are leaves, I am making an object, I am making them concrete and solid. So in the same way, whatever appears in the mind, when we hold those for concrete, then we are creating the world of an object and a subject by holding on those appearances arising in the mind as being concrete then there is a sense of a subject and an object a subject perceiving, a subject knowing those objects and in that we create a split in this simple experience of the mind knowing In the meditation any way that we will rest or connect with this quality pure quality of knowing that will lead us to the understanding and realization of our true nature now we are practicing in a a way our meditation not choosing any field and sometimes it is possible also try to select one field of experience and also rest only in this type of experience and realize the true nature of the mind. In the Surangama Sutra, one version at least, it is taught there how the way of avalokiteshvara to realize the true nature of the mind was through hearing. As the students were taught first to hear the sound then not to rest in the sound but to rest in hearing and then not to rest in hearing but in the true essence to rest in the true essence, essence of hearing or of wellness, awareness and then at this time the meditator realize the true nature of his mind or her mind and awakens. So that's an example to hearing which is taken from this Dhammasutra and which has been much practiced also in Korea in you know, the then Korean tradition using hearing connecting first to the belief in the appearance like the sound then not clinging to that resting in the hearing not resting in the hearing but in the essence on the true nature of that quality of mind which is hearing by that realizing the true nature of the mind the true nature of who we are. Now when practicing the meditation on the nature of the mind, just resting, not trying to reach out anything, not transforming, not manipulating the mind, some kind of experiences may arise, describe them how they are describing in the manuals, in the text, the mind not clinging not trying to help the meditation or hinder the meditation then slowly there may appear an experience of pure presence pure and total presence which may be experienced as bliss blissful experience of pure presence which can be experienced as luminosity which means knowing aspect the mind will be uh, the predominant or the absence of any content this time there is no confusion with respect to what is perceived as being concrete or whatever and then the mind, the mind with rest or awareness or pure presence will just this time still not being concerned with any perceptions, thoughts or images and when the mind is not concerned by those the finish by, they say disappear because nothing is feeding them. So this pure state of presence can be experienced in those three ways, bliss, clarity, or emptiness of any content. Total sense of presence without anything outside of that. So one may wonder: Then is that what we are looking for in our meditation, trying to reach this stage of pure presence, vast, limitless, without any sense of there's no sense of self, such a presence? If that is experienced, pure sense of presence, with the notion that it does exist, or that what I am, even if the I here is not a strong concept, but finally I am what I am, or I have reached, I have reached my true home and existing, then that is, the, that is the ground for confusion. That, if you wish, the first of the base on what confusion may arise. Because that is present. Then, from that presence, pure presence, confusion may arise. May, maybe one thought would arise, and then one oh, will cling to that or observe it. And then, from all that, from this ground, all the fantastic richness of our life, difficulty may arise. From that, if that are not, when the death is, there will be nothing. So, in this sense, this ground. If it is not understood or if it is understood or grasped as being existing, that's the ground for comes out. Now if it is not grasped as existing, then that is experienced as true freedom. So the link there is extension. if it is understood or apprehended as existing, that is the ground for samsara. If it is not grasped as existing, then that is expression of true freedom at this time then the nature of the mind would be understood as being luminous or knowing yet not existing truly Mean that it will be not possible speaking about that even if we <coughs> should call it the mind or the essence of the mind it would be not possible at such a time to say it exists or it doesn't exist in this. of understanding existing, non-existing have no meaning. In our world of concept, conditioning existence, then we may oppose born and be existing, non-existing, true, not true. All our world, if something cannot be at the same time existing or not existing. All those are the way of grasping the way to make sense evaluating judgment about the world in which we are living now in this say where there is no grasping that has no meaning existing non-existing has no meaning at all so we may speak about the knowing quality of the mind in being empty it means not experience as existing truly or not existing could not say that then there is nothing at all not like one has died or one has become a stone statue or something like that yet one can also not say that is existing now speaking about that when one tried to give name whatever the names may be, freedom, nirvana or rikpa it seems immediately we are making it into something suddenly we are giving ourselves means to grasp, to grasp it the Christian mythic master Eckhart was praying God to be free of God and we may understand that exactly in this sense when we pray God to be free of God he did not want to grasp at the ultimate truth even it God so it's very important to be also careful and not to start to grasp at any deeper truth and then start to grasp through concepts as Rikpa Nirvana of freedom Those are that determination which do not apply in uh, this sphere where things cannot be understood as existing or not existing even to call it the true nature of the mind or the essence of the mind is slightly strange can we add uh, this name mind here maybe it brings some confusion speak about our true nature, our true essence and be fine now, as long as we don't realize that then we are in exile we have been in exile as long as we don't realize our true nature so in which way are we in exile? as long as we we'll be looking for that as long as we will be looking for the true nature of the mind looking for nirvana for freedom as long as we will be looking for that we will be in exile we will be in exile in our own home we'll be in exile in our own homeland yet we'll be in exile as long as we will be looking for freedom, our true nature. In this looking for, there is a sense of looking for something which is not here. Therefore, in this looking for, there is a sense of time and duration. So, one of the first place of our exile in our own home is time. And make us an anxiety in our own home, when we are looking for aim results. when we try to manipulate our experience to transform to make our meditation then we stay in exile. Again in the same notion of time. Now we may have time in our meditation, try to control it, try to have something to do with it. And this position of control based on hope and fear hoping by controlling that we could make something happen by controlling avoiding that something happened that we don't like to happen this position of control is the perfect position of exile it is not possible to control something if we are not outside of it Only by placing ourselves outside of our life, outside of our experiences, outside of our minds, can we believe that we may control it. Only when we, so to speak, stand outside of it, then we can interfere with it, control it, influence it. So that is the perfect position of anxiety. we are one with the experience, not separated from the mind, from the experience. At such a time we are in the impossibility of controlling. We are in a position where it's completely impossible to control. In the oneness of the experience the wish To control, the possibility to control does not appear, does not make sense at this time. In the oneness of the experience nothing is outside of it so what could control the experience and what would be the aim of this control since nothing is outside the experience. So the wish to control, the wish to interfere cannot appear. If we imagine fire it's not possible for the fire to stop burning and if the wood has gone but we are not thinking about that the fire is there burning the fire cannot stop it I stop burning suddenly it cannot interfere with its own nature its own quality only if we bring water or sand from outside could we stop the fire burning the fire cannot stop burning the wind cannot stop blowing only there are trees and mountains cannot in the middle of its movement I stop here in the oneness of the experience at the position of impossibility of control also of the impossibility even of the thought of controlling so we may understand that any wish for control any desire to control any controlling keep us at a distance keep us outside of our experience outside of our life keep us in exile only in the one in the oneness that is control fade away. This control does not appear anymore. Not this distance. And can the sense of oneness be experienced? I remember reading the description of the universe recently in the magazine and the description was quite interesting. Because it described the universe as it does it has no no end. It has no no end. Uh, nothing is not the universe. Everything is the universe. So there is no 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 universe. Nothing is outside of it. Therefore, it's not possible to say this universe as a center. There are no limits, no center. Nothing is outside of it. What's interesting because it's a description of the mind that was given there as a description of the universe and the oneness of this universe, there is no other universe this uh, theory and they say it cannot be located with respect to what? how could you locate this universe if there is nothing with respect to what to locate it. Can be said left, right, up and down with respect to what? So in this sense the oneness of experience, neither can it be located. Neither can it be said there's a center and there are edges. It's experiencing then there is no, no limitation. So when there is the fullness of presence if we grasp at this experience as existing then we make our home our jail, <coughs> by grasping at the fullness of our presence as existing so the grasping there for us is expression of bondage we grasp at this fullness of presence as existing only when there is no grasping at this pure presence then will it not be experienced as existing or non-existing then only at this time will our true nature be understood and realized and only at this time there will be no exile when there is no more grasping but then one also cannot say that we have found our true home with respect to what? at this time well we will understand that exile and looking for our true home are just a scenario. but that there never existed any exile neither any true home never anything needed to be looked for never did anything needed to be discarded So we may understand that the grasping and non-grasping is essentially in the, in the practice. All the tradition expresses it exactly in the same way. I remember once reading a text by Marty Sayado, where he said that why are we meditating in order to not grasp? And a few weeks later I read a book about Mahamudra by a teacher from the 13th century said the key to meditation is not to grasp. We understand there that all traditions understand the process of freedom as anything to do with not grasping. So we may be sure whatever we are practicing if we are grasping is not the way to freedom whatever is the technique that we are using now how not to grasp well that's fine the key to meditation is not to grasp you say that's fine or let's sit down and not grasp and uh, we may realize that it's not that easy that usually we still with great grasping to so many things even grasping to non-grasping or whatever we may be very creative in our way of going around. So how not to grasp? There are many ways to cultivate this quality of non-grasping. One way would be to understand that there is nothing to grasp. One way would be to understand that whatever we believe, all the objects, the outer world, and all the parts of ourselves, that if we really know them, we know them very well, we see that they are changing, always changing, and nothing can be grasped in whatever constitutes the world and ourselves. In this understanding of this quality impermanent quality quality also of lack, lacking any satisfaction and that nothing truly exists there when that is understood clearly then the mind will not grasp because there's nothing to grasp to it will be one aspect the other aspect is when the mind rests upon itself Resting on its own quality, so to speak, in the simplicity of the mind resting, in this simplicity grasping with far away. So we are here dealing slightly differently. If by the resting on the nature of the mind itself, which true nature, which true nature is beyond grasping, that grasping would stop. So slightly different, either knowing the world and what constituted ourselves clearly, then there will be no grasping, or knowing the grasper, so to speak, the mind, so clearly that we realize by nature mind not existing truly has no power to grasp. By realizing that nothing is or that realizing that the creation of subject and object is a way to grasp to the experience of the mind not holding to that grasping would disappear so in our meditation what we are practicing is this simplicity of resting again not that we find a place of rest resting here or there in a sense it is purely doing what we are doing in meditation but not for any result I'll explain you that was speaking about observing this morning and the movement of observing in this movement of observing is in order to see something in this movement there is grasping in this movement there is duality and there is confusion but if we could perfectly be observing without any intention to find anything in the simplicity of this resting in that movement then we'll know the true nature of the mind in resting in the simplicity of any experience doesn't mean that the experience must disappear in the simplicity of the experiencing duality will not be construct anymore to disappear and the nature of the mind would appear clearly not because we have set it as an objective just because it is its nature the then story may be distracting the two aspects are spoken of the pure presence and when that is not at anymore a very well known story I'm sure that you know it already but he made it straight here exactly those two aspects the student goes to see his master and asks him about uh, what is the Buddha and the teacher answers the mind is the Buddha the student is happy and goes back with meditation for some years and um, finally he thinks that is not not proper. There's something wrong with that so he goes back to his master and then he asks what is the buddha and the teacher at this time says no mind no buddha so the monk is very happy at this time um, In those two stories, there is room for misunderstanding in both ways. When it says the mind is a Buddha, what can be grasped at at this time could be the sense of full presence. Mind, the Buddha, and that would be misleading. That would be the ground of samsara. Now in no mind, no Buddha, a way to misunderstand that will be to fall into the extreme of negation. No mind, no Buddha to deal with that so the mind is a Buddha or no mind, no Buddha maybe we try to combine them and avoid the problem of each of those statements so how could we join them to avoid falling into the two problems that each one is bringing one is clinging to existence the other clinging to non-existence falling into those two extremes if we join them together it is this and it is that it seems that we are just adding two kinds of confusion it doesn't help very much so we may, we may try to combine them in a way that may not leave room for confusion so if we were to ask which one is true? which one is the truth? is it the mind is a Buddha? or no mind, no Buddha. Which one is the true one? And if we did answer yes, then we we'll are not fall in, in, into any of the mistakes. now we you wonder what it means then we are looking for something to grasp so we need to stay in silence for a few minutes